0: scripture reading this morning is from a letter to the Corinthians written by Paul. And it, it, it makes some assumptions, and I think it's important just to get clear about what those assumptions are. The assumptions being very simply that each and every one of you are vital to the community of faith that each and every one of you has been uniquely configured and in some ways uniquely gifted, (laughs) and that what you bring makes this stronger. This only works if you bring your unique gifts and talents. So listen, to these words in that context. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. And so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part. It's made up of many parts. Now, if the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts in one body. Are we all teachers here? No. Are we all miracle workers here? Nope. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. And if one part suffers, every part suffers. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices. Now you are the body of Christ, And each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles and prophets and third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, of different kinds of interpretation. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? No, but all a part of the body of Christ. May God bless the reading and the hearing of those words. Thank you, Mm Lana.
1: many of you know, my day job is working as the Director of Spiritual Care at Silver Hill, just down the road. Part of my work involves teaching weekly spirituality classes to every patient in the hospital. These classes are required. Every patient must attend. I don't teach about belief. Rather, I teach patients about the core of the human spiritual experience that they already have inside them. I use prompts, pictures, and games to point them to meaning and purpose and the deepest parts of their own life's journey. And when they can access this, it provides them with hope, peace, and joy as they embark on healing. This week's group was called A Spirituality of Your Own. I run the group by distributing spirituality cards, There are a deck of cards, um, to each patient. These cards have prompt questions that anyone can answer. One of the cards asks, where have you felt deeply connected to a group of people you have never met? One of my patients, a black woman in her early 60s and the child of a Baptist minister recalled the time she took her first trip outside the United States with her father to attend the Baptist World Conference in Stockholm, Sweden in the mid 1970s. She flew overnight. She went through customs. She saw food she had never seen in her life and sounds and languages she had never heard. She checked into her hotel changed into her best dress, and walked with her father to the conference. Once they arrived at the conference hall, she was enraptured in awe and bewilderment at being in this very different place in a very different culture. And as she's walking toward the first plenary session, she heard the faint echoes of a favorite Baptist hymn leaning on the everlasting arms, which we just sang. And she walked down the hall toward the plenary session. She heard the chorus growing louder as she walked toward it. She was kind of skipping, and she said she felt some anxiety and heightened awareness peel away as she walked closer to this familiar hymn in English that she had sang all along. Mm -hmm. Yet when her father opened the door to the plenary session and to the full volume of voices, she stopped in her tracks. She was in shock. She was staring at a room full of blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> she had never been in a room like this. She grabbed her dad's hand tightly and whispered to her father, Daddy, I thought we were going to a Baptist conference. <laughs> and he said, this is a Baptist conference. It's the Baptist World Conference and she said that put her a little bit at ease and made her realize that this song and this faith connected her in more ways than she could ever imagine and she joined in the singing church whether it's 1972 or 2022 is more complex than a building a faith tradition or a hymn whether it's global or local We keep redefining what church is and what church can be. As a world, we are approaching a third year of a global pandemic that continues to alter the way we live in relationship around the world and how we live in relationship at Talmadge Hill. We miss the people who are not here. So we ask ourselves, how do we live as the body of Christ in this building and in the world. Perhaps thinking about Paul's metaphor about the body of Christ is a timeless place to start. And like Paul, we need to think about the interdependence of the whole body, including the parts we like and the parts we don't think are important. With just a touch of humor, Paul uses this wonderful metaphor of the human body describe how communities can think about church. Like the human body, all parts of the church body need to work together, and no part can work alone. Every part of the church body, every part of Talmadge Hill, depends somehow on everyone else. This hasn't changed since Paul penned this letter 2,000 years ago. Yet, the world our bodies and our minds inhabit has changed a great deal since Paul. Today, we have a media and information ecosystem that has exaggerated the innate instinct of the human mind to sort, compare, and judge, and it has left us somewhat at war with ourselves and our bodies. We cannot measure up to the images of perfection and toxic positivity that continually tell us that we're somehow flawed. Even worse, the capitalistic enterprise behind the wellness industry tells us, eat this and you will be perfect forever. Do this and you'll never work a day in your life. Go here and you'll never be lonely. And when we miss these marks, when this doesn't work for us, we only feel further flawed. An entire movement called body positivity has emerged to counter some of these impulses. The jury's still out whether their message is affected either, but the message is compelling. You are enough. Stop comparing. Enjoy and celebrate who you are. At a minimum, at a minimum body positivity increases self-compassion, reduces anxiety and depression, and fosters at least a positive orientation. So how do we apply this body positivity to the body of Christ? Start with yourself. Love yourself. Jesus said that the greatest commandment was to love your God with all your heart and strength and mind, and the second was like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Most people of faith can love God. Many a people of faith can, on some fundamental level, love their neighbor. Yet so many people cannot love themselves, and that is the true core of the Spirit. Loving yourself is not narcissism. It's not looking in the mirror and saying, you look amazing and you can do no wrong. Loving yourself is saying that with my bunions, knee replacement, lazy eye, receding hair, graying hair, loss of muscle tone, inability to throw a ball in gym class, bad posture, BMI, uneven teeth, addictions, anxiety, and depression, I can love myself even on days when nothing works. Loving yourself on those days is just having compassion, just saying, I've got your back, I'm here, we're getting through this. I'm convinced that I could stop right now and have every person here write on little sheets of paper all the ways their mind, body, and spirit doesn't work for them and place them in the offering plate on these strips of paper and our coffers would literally overflow. Similarly, if I ask you what you lack or where you fall short and I gave everyone one minute each to respond, Nobody would yield their time early. And I want you right now to take a minute and to see all those things that prevent you from loving the beautiful human soul that is beneath all those things you think you lack. I want you to visualize stripping away maybe in the offering plate on sheets of paper, maybe putting all these things you just don't want about yourself on the pew next to you because after all, we are socially distanced. But I want you to see yourself just giving that up and seeing what you have excavated, what is there and how wonderful that is. See how much lighter you feel. See that amazing soul that, has, that you have excavated that has infinite worth. And that loving presence, that beating heart, inhabits your wonderfully imperfect body. Imagine having compassion for yourself, not guilt or shame about something on the outside. That is loving yourself, and that's where we begin to love our neighbors. Accept all of this without insecurity, without awkwardness, Of think of what you could do with your soul. It's like safety on an airplane. We have to adjust our mask before we can help others. We have to love ourselves before we can love our neighbors. And here at this intersection of Talmadge Hill Road and Hollow Tree Road, I want to believe that we can celebrate being the body of Christ. I want to believe that in this room and in our wider Talmadge Hill family, with all that we bring and all that we have in here, we can witness to others both inside and outside what it means to have faith. The nuances of what we bring here on any given Sunday at 10 a.m. changes for every single person in this room. Some weeks we bring all of our presence and all of our God-given gifts. Some weeks we bring a shell of a body and a weak spirit. And when we do, we unconsciously rely on the other people in these pews to believe the things that we maybe can't believe today and to hold us up with their soul and their presence. So try to recall the days that you came here or elsewhere and brought so much faith that you radiated the light of Christ. And recall the days that the only spark you could feel was some part of your flame that was lit by others. Some days you're the pilot light Some days you're the flame, but whatever you bring, it is never diminished when you share it. And that's the body of Christ. Whatever you bring here, it is your witness and light that encourages somebody else, even if you're just sitting here. It's your body positivity and self-compassion that helps others feel theirs. And it is our body positivity as a community that allows us to be both a church in our community and a church in the world. We carry our faith for ourselves, but we carry it on others' behalf. We are about everybody. We worship a God who was incarnate in the world and whose ministry involved everybody, literally everybody. That's incarnation. But unites us is the spirit, and it's God that provides that spirit. We spread it. The gospel is lived through us. We are the body and the body parts that lift up the church. We take what God has given us in our daily life and see it in a way that God has called us to use it. What would it be like to create a culture of call at Talmadge Hill and cultivate a community that encourages our individual calls? You have the gift and graces already inside you. How do you grow them in the church? It's just not that you're a cpa and you want to be on the finance committee or you have a good voice and you want to sing in the choir as a church we develop souls we develop faith we are more than all of this and together and individually we have infinite value this morning i rose and came here wrapped in a sweater and warmed by your spirits i brought you my heart in the hopes that some part of it might touch yours And with all the mental misgivings I have about my own middle-aged body, I gained strength by being part of the body here. I was inspired to see every single face in this room and to know that there are faces out there on Spotify and in our emails that are somehow here with us. Five years ago, I had a friend going through a very hard time in her life. She was in a tough place professionally she was going through a divorce and her kids were in high school and starting to leave home for college and then her mother died i would check in on her and see how she was doing i was in connecticut she was in new york city but we were friends there wasn't much more i could do than give her my love and i tried to do that as best i could in one of our conversations she mentioned that she'd gone back to the new york city church where we had originally met A church that had been a big part of her family. But she gave me a qualifier and these are her words. I'm going not because I need faith or anything I just want to go and look at the art and hear the music and find some way to connect to my mom. That provoked deep empathy for me as I was sure her mother's love was continuing to fill all those gaps. I asked if she still had friends there other than the small cohort of, cohort of friends we had that were part of Miss Vicky's second grade Sunday school room in 2006. She said she didn't, but then she said that she would see some of the friend group occasionally, and that reminded her of the Easter egg hunts in the park and the Sunday play dates and suppers that lasted until the sun went down and when our kids were young. Okay. She also said she would run into some of her mother's friends at church. And she admitted that she found the timelessness of those relationships comforting, even if she really wanted to be alone right now. Okay. She even volunteered occasionally information about some of our favorite church matriarchs who provided her with some words of comfort and some wonderful anecdotes about her mother, even as she tried to escape unseen before coffee hour and actually having a conversation with them. Okay. I asked her if she ever talked to the clergy. She said no, she didn't, because even though they were nice to her when she and her sister made the funeral arrangements for her mother, she had, quote, no intention of rejoining the church. Okay. She was enduring a really terrible struggle. I asked her to join me for a midweek prayer service during during Holy Week that I was happy to attend from Connecticut. I also loved the music and the art. Besides, we'd have fun having dinner together. Okay. Okay. She obliged, and we had dinner afterwards. And before we went to dinner, we lit candles for her mother in the back of the church and said a special prayer. Okay. I asked her to join me and my husband in Connecticut for our church's Easter service that weekend. She declined. But she said that she would likely go to Easter church in New York City, you know, just to hear the music. Okay. I checked in with her a few weeks later, asked her about... How the divorce was going, heard the requisite um, divorce stories. And I asked her about Easter. She gave me some delightful tales about the names I nearly forgot, people she saw on that day that we hadn't seen in a long time. She mentioned this young new youth director that looked like they were still in high school and who corralled the Sunday school into Easter worship with love, even as their candy and plastic eggs spilled all over the place. Okay. And she said the music was beautiful. And that with raspy voice and awe, she sang those familiar tunes. And that's the body of Christ. Amen. Amen.